What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We're back for day two draft content, joined by good friend John Colosimo. If you did not check out yesterday's show, John and I broke down the entire first round, went through, I mean, everything. We went through all the trades. We went through if the Browns should have moved up to a certain position to uh, draft a player like a George Karloftis as he slid down the, to the end of the first round. We went through... Like I said, the value of the trades, the value of, of players that are available for today's draft, it's its all there if you missed it, if you want to go back and digest all of that stuff that has now transpired in the second and third round. And listen, John, welcome in. First of all, what a busy day this one was, man. Oh, yeah. Um, and, it, and it flew by, I felt like. you know, yeah. uh, I, I'm not sure if that's just uh, different Did they speed up the picks? Like, did, it fe- did it feel I, like the picks came quicker? Like it really did feel like that feel like that well let's talk about the thing that kind of led us all off here we're gonna touch on the rest of the AFC North and maybe some other highlight picks but the the biggest thing that happened pretty quickly here was the the Browns trading out of pick 44 so they end up getting out of the second round entirely end up going from 44 all the way back to 68 as they made a trade as you guys know again familiar with them the Houston Texans so they got I believe it's not in front of me they got back 68 108 and 126 I could be wrong on that but I think that's the general consensus and it listen it was a pretty popular trade amongst the evaluators so we'll start here John did you like the trade and did you like passing on who was there at 44 that's kind of two two-handed right is there a guy you would have preferred at 44 did you like the trade I love the trade. Um, I think that we, and I think we foreshadowed this yesterday, that we, we did. would more likely be in a position to trade down than trade up. Um, and uh, they went further down than I would have thought they would. Uh, but they, you know, the in terms of, you know, PFF does the draft grades in terms of war and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a heist in terms of draft value from PFF's perspective, from the Spielberg um um, you know, scale, uh, those it's, types of it's things. Gerald so, Spielberger yes, evaluation, which right. sounds like something atomic bomb related, yeah. but which I, I, I love that, that scale. I think that's really good. These are guys that focus on the cap and, you know, positional value and, and those types of things. I, I really enjoy, I like that scale. That's what I usually post about if I do talk about those things. So it's a heist. I mean, uh, a very good trade that the Browns win, um, and I think that there were so many players available at 44 that it just didn't make sense to sit there and take the one you wanted. Now, I will say, if I if I didn't have a trade partner and I was forced to pick at 44, honestly, I would have taken Drake Jackson. And I know Drake he Jackson, went much okay. later. I, I know he went much later, but that would have been my guy. So Drake Jackson ends up going kind of right out in front of Cleveland at 60. I know. So did he go at the hurt. end of the second? Let me see here. Let me try to find his exact location. He went 61. So he got into the same, you know, digits here. He got to 61. He was the 29th pick there in the second round. So close. Well, there were a lot of guys that were sitting on the board at that spot that we thought they could get. So it got really interesting. Back to the trade. So the Browns, according to Fitzgerald Spielberg, I was off. It was not pick 126. It was pick 124. They ended up getting back. So 108, 124, and 68. So the Browns gained... 2046 overall points they picked up 11 million in total salary but that's from the rookie slots that's per the entire contract while the uh, texans get back 1082 points so it was a pretty big fleecing the browns gained 964 points on that scale and got back a couple picks because we've been talking about the monotony now 
that is there between picks. What was it? Pick 118 and 202. So they now have one in between, which is nice. They'll be picking really quickly tomorrow. As you guys all listen to this on Saturday, they'll be picking, what is it? One, what are they going to go? So they'll uh, go like 108. The third, third pick? Yeah. Third yeah, pick so one, 108, 118, and 124. So yeah, they'll be really active right away. I like the trade too. I was fine with it. Moving back there is it's a little tough, but I think they still had a position where they could get some really good players. And I liked, I liked the trade itself. Um, I'm going to do the thing where maybe I'm not paid to do this or not. I, I didn't watch much of the player they took and we'll start with Martin Emerson. Didn't watch a ton of them. Um, from what I gather, people I trust, he's a pretty good zone corner. Some people think he can be a bigger slot can come inside and sort of be a bulldog player there. That's what uh, I've gathered from Pete Smith has talked to me about him a little bit because I didn't study him a, a ton. And then Eric Turner over at cover one who works on the bills and does a ton of great work. They are very high on him. So they get Emerson at pick 68 and I don't know. I mean, they want to keep adding corners. It definitely seems like uh greedy Hill, uh, greedy and Troy Hill are, not likely to return after the 23 season. So they're continuing to add corners. It's a theory that we've talked about every year. And I used to talk to Steven Thomas about this all the time is you can never have enough corners. You always draft one. They did that here. Kevin Stefanski comes out and says, you can never have enough corners. So they took a guy they really liked. I will say I'm a little surprised. They didn't have a guy at 44 that they really liked. Like I, I'm pretty, the trade came late. The Texans came all the way up because they really wanted John Mechie, which I understand because I think Mechie's a really nice football player. But, you know, they move out picks that were right after them. David Ajabo was the next pick at 45. Josh Paschal was the next pick, the Kentucky edge. So George Pickens goes 52. We'll talk more about those in depth. But I was pretty surprised they didn't have a player, and then I was pretty surprised that they ended up taking a corner. What were your impressions of the Emerson selection? Yeah, uh, first of all, I would say, uh, you know, that trade – it could be a bit of the uh, effect of trading for Deshaun Watson and signing so many of these big contracts. I mean, we are basically full up on big second contracts at this point. So, and with the Watson trade, we're low on picks uh, next year. I think we only have five. Um, so I can understand, you know, uh, how that might've played a factor in, um, you know, in overcoming maybe, uh, a guy that they they liked a little more than the others um, but anyway going down to the pick uh, I really have nothing to say because I, I haven't looked at this guy um, it's a little surprising I'm not sure what they're looking for out of him uh, some people have mentioned slots um, you know I wondered whether they would consider moving him to safety or something like that uh, not something I totally understand. You know, it's just uh, one of those picks that, and I think the Browns have at least one of these each year, but, you know, where they take somebody that's kind of, you know, completely out of left field. And this this was that for me. So uh, I don't quite understand it. Um, not who I would have taken, that's for sure. But I'm just going to trust AB on this one, I guess. Yeah, Dane Brugler has him as his, 21st ranked corner, a fifth round grade. But again, these are fluid. A lot of a lot of people like him across the NFL, especially as a zone corner and a cover three concept, that post concept the Browns run from quarters that couldn't make a lot of sense. Was there another guy there at pick 68 you would have preferred? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, here, I likely would have 
I likely would have gone Travis Jones. I thought, you know, that, you know, I don't love drafting interior defensive linemen. I just don't. And, it, you know, it's a, you can call it a flaw on my part or whatever. I just, um, uh, but I think at that point, Travis Jones made a lot of sense to me, um, you know, uh, but it just seems like these guys just really don't value these defensive tackles very much, you know, like similar to linebacker. I think, uh, I think JOK was an exception to that rule, but um, yeah, Travis Jones would have been my guy. Yeah, Travis Jones ends up going 75 right out in front of Alex Wright. No, sorry, 76 to the Ravens, who continue every year, every cycle. It's like they're plugged into Brown's Twitter. You know, they take they take these guys we talk about. But otherwise, corners that were selected after Emerson to see, like, sort of where the next corner would have come from or something like that. It'd be Cordell Flott, who's a young, undersized nickel out of LSU, goes 81. Marcus Jones goes 85. And I think that's it for corners. Yeah, that's it. So there really wasn't a ton of third round grade corners available. So maybe the Browns had this guy far and away their best corner. They wanted to get one. It made sense. Not entirely sure. I'm with you. Travis Jones would have made a ton of sense there. And I'm just looking at picks between, you know, pick 68 and 78, because that's where the Browns could kind of trying to be getting two guys. You know what I'm saying? So they end up getting Emerson. They end up getting Alex Wright at pick 78. Alex Wright has been a guy who, we have been fans of at the OBR long body player, man is a really nice moldable piece of clay that if they get clowny back, you can have some fun with him. He was a 2021, according to um, SIS data, one of the best pass rush win rate guys in the entire draft class. He had a pass rush percentage of 31.3. They actually gave him one of the highest marks, the highest mark across D1 college football with out in front of Hutchinson and Agbury, Thibodeau, Drake Jackson at 31.3. Just pretty good mark. I mean, there's some really nice data for this player. He's young. He's under 22. Still, he'll turn 22 in the middle of the summer. Again, you look at him with football pads on, you see a guy that is like, this makes a ton of sense as a strong side DN. They mentioned in the press conference, which I have not dug into the post-draft pressers, which everybody should to hear the insights of why they wanted him. But I did see a clip that they were talking about potentially moving him um, from now every now and again, moving him inside to let him be an interior player every now and again, too. So having some flexibility. I really liked Alex Wright right here. I know there's some other guys people like, some, some of which who are still available, but I did like the value of Alex Wright at pick 78 inside the top 100 on a lot of draft boards. And just again, to me, a player that, the body, the age, the, the the athletic score wasn't what we needed it to be because he didn't test some things. He got injured. I think he had a pec issue in the combine. I think that's, yeah, he, mm-hmm. he benched and had a pec issue. But I still see a guy athletic enough on tape that totally justifies pick 78 to me. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Like, he just looks kind of the part in terms of, you know, what they like about a clowny, you know, um, what they do with a clowny. You can see them kind of envisioning doing similar things with Alex Wright. I think that, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's one where because of his age, where he's a junior, he didn't go to the senior bowl. Um, he got injured, so he didn't get full athletic testing. Um, so you're really kind of left uh, mostly with the tape on this one and, you know, measurables in general and those types of things. So it's possible that they get a serious value here. One of, one of the interesting ones, I think Cody um, put this up uh from SIS, I think he was uh, second in the nation in quick pressure, which I like that. Yeah, you like that. You know, like, yeah. 
Um, but I think there's a, just a ton of potential uh, in terms of getting an edge, uh, you know, in, in this area of the draft. I'm not sure that you can ask for much more in terms of potential. We'll see where it ends up, but uh, I love this pick. It's good. Yeah, I'm, on, I'm in on it too. And, you know, some people don't know this player. They don't know Martin Emerson. And the draft negativity stuff cracks me up, man, when people just want to bag on picks. And it's like you don't even – how can you – can you sit there and bag on picks when you don't even know the players? It, it, just because you don't know a player means you can be upset. So many people upset with these decisions. It's crazy to me. But anyway, this is where the run on players I really liked started to happen. So 79 to, to 98 guys I would have been interested in throughout the draft. Greg Dolchich, I was in on that tight end from UCLA. D'Angelo Malone, fun player, Western Kentucky, goes 83. N'Kobe Dean, don't need a linebacker, but, I mean, it's got JOK type of slide written all over it. N'Kobe Dean's a fun player. Eagles get him. DeMarvin Leal to Pittsburgh would have been interested. Cameron Thomas to Arizona would have been interested out of San Diego State. Dylan Parham, if they went uh, interior O-line, the Memphis kid would have been fun. Sean Ryan, the UCLA tackle or guard would have been interesting. My heart was broken, John. Nick Cross goes 96 to the Colts, and I'm pretty positive that the Colts jumped out in front of Cleveland to make that pick. They knew Cleveland would be interested in Cross, and I think they knew the Lions, who took Kirby Joseph behind him, would definitely be interested in Cross. Agreed. So, Agreed. Yeah, that's a, that's a pick I'd have been interested in. But they get David Bell, and you know, to me, David Bell is fun. I mean, I he's a top 100 player, according to ESPN. I think he... Had multiple games. I'm pretty sure he had uh, against top 25 competitions, like 500 yards. I mean, he's he's to me. I saw somebody say, "Well, if they got rid of Jarvis Landry, here's your answer." He's not as bad a testing athlete as Jarvis Landry. He put up production at a a lower school in a big conference. He's still young enough. He's still again. The, like if you're saying it's a direct Jarvis comparison, I think Jarvis was taken in like the early second round. I cannot remember right. exactly where Jarvis mm -hmm. was taken, but it's like, okay, I can get that player essentially in the fourth round. And if you're trying to say that's the same as Jarvis Landry to get that player in the fourth round. And if he can replicate some of, you know, I think we all go way too far on the Jarvis stuff. Like he still has had value. It's always been the money equi equivalent to the production. He's had value. He's produced, he's caught the football. He's done things. And if you get, half of that production from David Bell, you feel really great about it, man. And I think this is a guy who will really challenge what the athletic stuff says, the RAS, you know, the RAS scores and what the combine stuff says versus the tape. Cause he can flat out play on tape and he was a legitimate stud in the big 10. So I'm in on David Bell, especially at where they picked him up. So, I, I really like David Bell um, just coming into the process when he tested the way he did, certainly dropped. Uh, but my interest didn't. It just, you know, changed the round in which I was interested yeah. in picking him. I thought, you know, you know, with the amount of fourth round picks we now have, I thought that that would be a pretty decent uh, place to take a look at him. Now, you know, I just I'm not sure where he fits with, you know, um, I guess, I guess my problem is that I'm comparing him to who I really wanted there, which was Phillips. Um, I think that I wanted so badly just this pure slot guy that we have just not had. 
And uh, that's who I felt was filling that need. And I'm not sure, like, I don't think he put Bell outside. I don't, I don't know exactly where, you know, uh, what his projection is. I feel here on draft day, like, you know, you have a floor of Rashad Higgins. You have a ceiling of, uh, um, you know, um, Jarvis Landry, which is pretty damn good for the selection. You're talking about your third third round pick. Um, I think he's a good player. I think he's going to absolutely outplay his measurables, but things aren't going to get easier in the NFL. I don't think I'd stick him outside. Um, and if you do put him on there, I mean, I was just looking to kind of get away from that type of player with tight ends on the field. Um, but bottom line is it was a guy I wanted to leave the draft with. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that my attitude here and my, you know, how I'm talking about this really reflects how I feel, you know, come camp. So he's a very good player. It's just that I, I have my eyes on a different wide receiver. Yeah. I think it's easy to see how David Bell fails in the NFL. I mean, it's very simple. He just gets overwhelmed physically. Can't handle it. He can't create separation. You can't create separation. You're not a six, four leap out of the gym guy. You know, that's that's it's pretty simple to me. The reason he can't now the good thing is he catches the ball really well. He has acrobatic catches on tape. He can he can do a variety of things in the air. He can contort his body. He can do those things. I think there's a Richard Higgins like path for David Bell, but a more consistent type of wide receiver in the NFL where he is a more reliable player than Richard Higgins was. I think you can see that path for him. He played 612 wide snaps, only 122 in the slot, so it's not a very high percentage. It's better than some guys who lived outside, but he would definitely need an adjustment to go inside. I know we're going to talk about this later, but a guy like Kyle Phillips, who's a predominantly slot player, would be very interesting to me, even with David Bell on the roster, would be very interesting to me later in these first three picks early on. So I, I, think, I think Bell is fine. I think he brings a high basement um, for his draft slot. I think it's a good dart throw for a guy who maybe feels disrespected through the process. He was, he was being talked about when this was all starting after the season ended before the testing, it was David Bell and Jahan Dotson in like your second round range. Those two were being discussed as serious second round wide receivers. Now one guy went one direction, one guy went the other. I think largely it's not tape related for David Bell. It is truly like we saw the testing data and we did not, I, I didn't expect that testing data personally. Like, no, I didn't know. I, I didn't think that was going to be where he ended up testing. So maybe he's just a bad tester. We'll see right away. Uh, I think he'll have a chance to get serious snaps in this offense. So, you know, we're going to find out sooner or later here, but at this point with a, essentially a pick in the fourth round, 99 almost 100 i i don't mind the bet on this player to, to me that's uh to me that's more than fine i can definitely see that yeah a very high floor for that draft slot for anybody that you know knows the history of of you know these third round picks uh, i think high floor for that let's go around the division before we go around the division just a uh, quick break to hear from our sponsors we'll be right back We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, checking back in. So something before we get to the rest of the division, John, is that while they bent the guardrails a little bit on some things from the testing perspective, all three players 21 years old. That seems to be just a consistent theme. There was the data put out before the draft about how how an outlier Andrew Barry is. I mean, he's essentially only yeah. drafting 21-year-olds. Like, I think his range was so far and away younger than everybody else. That continues. And as we look at drafts moving forward, his first three or four picks, if you're picking somebody outside of the 21 age at the time of the draft, I think you're really, really taking a leap of faith there. I think that's the proof we have. They'll bend on age late. They'll bend on some athleticism things slash some positional things early. But the age is the age, and that's the evidence we have, right, man? Oh, I mean, the the evidence is pretty clear. And, you know, um, I mean, this is now we're halfway through um, his third draft. Um, I think that there was reason to go ahead and question whether, you know, those those guardrails were going to stick from when he was here last time. Uh, but I think that he's really establishing uh, a clear pattern of guys he tries to avoid. Now, I will say that I, I do think that there should there are certain positions that I think you can benefit from taking an older player, but uh, tight end would be uh, very high on my list uh, for those ones because they take so long to develop. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, I, I think that you can at least clearly say that this age thing is very, very important for the Browns and AB. It's extremely important. There's no arguing against it at this point. We have to go by it. Like we said, we want more data points, and I think you largely are going to have pretty good testers early on, but they'll bend on some age. Sorry, they'll bend on some testing. They'll bend on some positional value for the right player, but they are pretty stuck on, um, you know, and I guess Alex Wright, too, is the first non-big conference player they've selected as well. So that's another thing of note the power five they typically have gone power five guys early on so the uab selection is a bit of a uh it's a bit of an outlier so yeah age that holds true bend on athleticism a little bit for the right tape and will bend on position here or there if they think they have a guy worthwhile so otherwise let's go around the division it's tough not to really like what the ravens did and i feel like we say it every year they got in this run of second and third round picks they only had two now they have six selections in the fourth round it's bananas 
six selections. They go in the fourth round. They have the fifth pick in the fourth round, 14th, 23rd, 25th, and 34th. Bananas. Actually, and the 36th. Did I say they have they have six? That's crazy. Anyway, they took David Ajabo at 45, and then they took Travis Jones at 76. So they've had a great draft so far. I mean, I'm, I can argue that they haven't done anything to help Lamar with wide receiver after letting Hollywood go, but Hamilton, Linderbaum, Ajabo, and Jones, we have all thought are going to be really good NFL players. So just good positional value for them. Not Sorry, not great positional value on some of them, but good players in those positions. That's where I stand on those guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no doubt this is one of the best drafts uh, that anybody's having right now. And, uh, you know, I just uh, it's unfortunate that we have such a, a smart, consistent team within our division. So um, we have to watch them do it and we have to compete against it. So, um, yeah, they've done fantastic, I think. You still have to just hope for the sake of Baltimore that the Lamar Jackson situation goes sideways somehow. Somehow, some way. Agreed. That's, that's hey, a way. Hey, to me, uh... I was saying this the other day. I think Roman is two years past his usefulness. You know, I think he mm-hmm. was uh, invaluable for Lamar's first two years. I think that uh, they're not going – to me, they're not going to progress with Greg Roman um, running that offense from here. And you have to ask yourself, again, why does Lamar not have a, a contract? Yep. So it'll be you interesting do. to it's get the, play out. At this point, it is. That is the number one AFC North storyline. Um, the Bengals go Dax Hill early. We've talked about this. Their two selections, Cam Taylor Britt, who's listed as a safety, although he played corner at Nebraska. So we'll see where that takes him. Some DB flexibility. And then they took Zachary Carter from Florida, who I did not study much of at all. Bengals is just a meh. Okay. Nothing about those guys really, you know, strikes me as very scary so far. They've, you know, I don't know. I don't really don't have any feeling one way or the other on the Bengals draft. They did not add any offense yet. We'll see if they add some offense. They need a tight end. I think they need to go get a tight end, and they might do that in the fourth round. They have a late pick in the fourth round, pick 31. They have a fourth, a fifth, and two sevenths. So that's what the Bengals have left. Thoughts on the Bengals, John? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the first two picks were fine. I think, uh, yeah, it's smart to be investing in secondary. Uh, so they did smart things there. I think – Zach Carter might have overtaken, uh, you know, Bill Belichick's uh, pick in the first round for the biggest reach. Um, you know, PFF had him as their 203rd overall player. He was picking, uh, he was picked at 95. Uh, I think that was a poor pick. Uh, but, they, you know, the first two picks were decent. Um, we'll see where they go from here. But, uh, you know, not the worst, not the best. Steelers go. We know Kenny Pickett in the first round. They go George Pickens, who left a lot of Browns fans angry. They get him, I think, at pick 52. And then DeMarvin Leal in the 20th pick of the third round. Uh, The Pickens player is definitely not a player whose talent has been questioned by many people. The injury history is ugly, and there are massive maturity questions lingering about that player. Cleveland chose to not select him. Had every chance to pick him at 44 if they liked him. Did not want anything to do with him. They also had a chance to pick DeMarvin Leal, who's a bit of a tweener. I do not know where he's going to land in the NFL. Probably best for an odd front defense, so this does make sense for Pittsburgh from the odd front defense perspective. But I have a hard time seeing him be a Cam Hayward. He's definitely not an edge-bending outside linebacker for them. So we'll see what he looks like. But, you know, the Pittsburgh draft of Pickens and Leal are fine. They're like a B, B plus. I don't have a problem with them necessarily, but... They're not some slam dunk picks for me that are going to yield positive NFL returns. So 
I'm sort of lukewarm on Pittsburgh's draft as well. Yeah, I think that's probably the right way to look at it. I mean, well, you know, the most important pick was Kenny Pickett, which I think went to the negative yeah. for me. Um, you know, Pickens, should they have doubled up at quarterback? What do you think? Would it have been crazy oh, for man. them to double up? I think uh, I mean, I Willis think was there number, twice, right? Yes. I think there's a number of teams that could have just that didn't even need quarterbacks that could have benefited from grabbing Willis where he ended up, you know, dropping to. Like he, uh, I'm not even, you know, I've, I said this before. Like I, I don't like this quarterback class, but to grab a Willis in the third round is, uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind if the Browns grabbed him just to, you know, just to groom and trade for a first round pick a little bit later, you know. Yeah. The, the Green Bay Packers did that for years. You know, they would, uh, you know, Brooks and uh, Patriots Mark, did uh, it too, right? Yes, Patriots did it too. Mark Brunel. Um, you know, they. I think the, the Packers had like three or four during Brett Favre's run um, that they were able to pick late um, or obviously well outside the first round and then flip for, you know, good, good return there. So, yeah, I, uh, nobody's ever done that though, right, Jake? Everybody is always like – made the suggestion or joke or half joke that a team double up on quarterback, but nobody's ever done it. I don't think, you know, I guess the Washington Redskins are the closest thing to that. Yeah. They did do that in the same draft. That's the perfect example. And look how well it worked for them. Right. I mean, they got an answer there. I mean, for the most part, and it could have worked a lot better, I think for them than it did, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I, I probably would have um, thought about it. Now, I don't know if you saw that report, too, uh, not to go too much back into day one, but did you see the report that uh, they tried to trade up five spots with the Texans against themselves to grab Pickett? <laughs> I, I did not know I'm, that. Uh, yeah, That's I'm insane. so mad. I wish I'm that so would have worked out. <laughs> yeah, and, no and the Texans didn't take anybody that they couldn't. I think they took a guard. Uh, that they easily yep. could have gotten uh, by doing that. And I really would have loved to have seen uh, Pittsburgh, you know, put more um, assets into that. You know, just in general, real quick, like this is a historic draft at this point with these quarterbacks. I don't think that there's – I'm going to go do the research, but I don't think that I can recall any draft since I've been alive where the quarterbacks – were drafted in this way where one was taken at the bottom of the, you know, of the first round or, you know, in the bottom third, and then nobody was taken until late in the third. I just, I've never seen anything like that. Not in, not when you had to pay them more money and certainly not in the rookie QB uh, or the rookie wage scale era. I'd, I'd say it's a bigger surprise. Not the one quarterback in the first round is not as big. And that's surprising, not as surprising as, no quarterbacks at all in the second round. I mean, yes. Malik yes. Willis was here at the draft in Vegas and was a front and center piece of NFL marketing for the event. I mean, he was at the front of it. He was doing the NFL play sessions and, and stuff with fans and, and young kids. And like, he goes 86. So the perception of like these quarterback value, which we're going to talk about Baker in this it was a kind of circusy feeling of this Carolina situation after Carolina comes up for Matt Coral, a uh, corral there and takes him. Uh, they take him. Let me see where they end up selecting him. They ended up selecting him, giving up a third next year to get him in the 30th pick of round three, which is late. I mean, I don't know. It was late. It was like 98 or something. It might've been in the one hundreds. I can't even remember, but anyway, they got him late. It's just, it was wild. It was wild how off the perception of a guy like, well, I mean, I don't know that I've ever been 
at a draft, not not me personally, been at a draft, but watched a draft where guys like Nicobe Dean, who was here, front and center in the draft room, dressed, suited and booted, man, like he goes in the third round late. Malik Willis here, ready to go, goes in the third round late. I can't think of guys falling into the third round no, except they, for they like made, they make big I, deals I really out can't. of people being in the green room until the end of the first. I know. I know right? it's weird, man. It was really weird. I, I, it just, I think it speaks to the weirdness of this draft in general and the NFL trying to figure out how players are being valued and like the players were being used as pawns to, you know, like this, this, this feigned interest that somebody else will take Willis and nobody ever took him. And it just, it got weird. I think we're in a weird spot of teams. I think teams have started to realize that tanking for the quarterback is a good way to go. So going and getting a guy like Baker Mayfield or a lot of the quarterbacks in this draft who are going to take you to some wins, but they're not going to take you where it matters. I think the NFL is figuring out we need quarterbacks that matter. If you don't have a quarterback that matters, we don't need to spend on guys we don't think they're going to matter. And you're seeing the far side of that where you're like, well, just keep investing and see if you can come up with it. Everybody seems to be on the other end because otherwise, I feel like if it was five years ago, Baker Mayfield would have been traded days, months ago. He would have been gone. It's just, it's just weird. It's weird how it's sitting here. It's going to be a, a massive, massively interesting thing to track from Brown circles about how Mayfield works out because we can talk about it. I mean, he was throughout the draft from multiple people that mattered. That Carolina and Cleveland were in real discussions to move him there it, it ends up being reported that the two couldn't reach an agreement on how much cleveland was covering of that 19 million that he's owed and that could be true but it could also be as simple as the owner tepper stepping in and say we're not doing this we don't want him steve smith very vocal on nfl network from a carolina fan you know a, a legend of carolina perspective we all know what robbie anderson said a couple weeks ago so who knows why it really fell apart but it was in advanced discussions and now it's like if, if seattle did Seattle end up taking Ritter? Who, where did no. – I don't even know where Ritter went, but did Seattle take a quarterback yet? No, I don't believe they did. I'm so if check. it's – yeah, Seattle did not. So they took nope. Cross, Mafe, Boy Mafe, Kenneth Walker, and Abram yeah, Lucas. Like Seattle's the only logical answer at this point. Otherwise, to me, it's more realistic than ever. He might be released. Like I don't know what outcome is left. Yeah, and I'll tell you too, the um, it's worth mentioning though, uh, that from things that I've heard that uh, if Washington would have been a little bit more patient that they would have traded for Baker um, instead of Wentz. Uh, I have pretty strong uh, word on that. So, uh, you know, that, that might've been that one team that made but that, that even leaves, but one. then that leaves Wentz up in the air. Right. So that would have been, if it just wasn't sure. Baker, it was Wentz. So like right. to me, and you got Jimmy, you know, you got yeah, Jimmy out, Jimmy's in the still air out there. It's weird. Like, I think some teams are okay with like, hey, we'll ride this out with Sam Darnold. We'll ride it out with, you know, we'll, we'll see what Drew Locke has. And then we'll try to draft a guy that we think at the top of the draft that's going to actually matter. So now I can't believe pushed. that Carolina was okay with what they did. Like, Matt Rule is about to lose his job. I thought that maybe they would be the, you know, the desperation, like the people that were motivated to throw out desperation. Let me restart. I, the people most motivated, you know, uh, we've seen this lots of times as Brown fans, you know, um, but that guy, if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't do something this year, he's, he's out for sure. He's going to lose his job. And then one, you know, would I don't so know. You'd, have to, you'd question how seriously he wanted to draft a quarterback versus trade. It happens this yeah. way. There are people inside the building who want like Matt rule could want Baker 
And then the management team is saying, screw that. We're not doing that. We're going to draft a guy because Correct. they're still, yeah. you know, they're still looking at the future instead of a one year thing where rule is different. It's, it just is Baker's situation is so strange. Cleveland's situation around it too is strange. Yeah. And like I said, like I do, I do still feel that, um, that because the Browns ended up having to, or deciding to just flat out release Odell, I think that teams have tried to say, or, you know, internally said to themselves, like, well, we'll just sit there and then they'll release them. You know, if, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll lowball them. And if they don't want to, you know, deal with that, then they'll just release them in the end. Uh, because I haven't seen a lot of situations in my NFL lifetime where you release an asset like an Odell um, without getting any kind of compensation for it. So uh, I, I still think that was an effect on it. And then you have, you know, Watson coming, uh, but that was always going to happen. But then you have Baker releasing the Instagram thing. There's a lot of factors coming into this. And I think that Jimmy G being available is kind of like the extra stake in the, you know, in the heart on this one. Uh, but it's amazing to me how unwilling anybody has been to grab these guys, even though they're clear upgrades. Um, Agreed. And, and Agreed. then not only that, but to see them pass on the on this whole quarterback class, I think it's a bigger story than uh, than you know. I think after the draft, like people maybe maybe I'll write something on it. I don't I don't have much time to write though. But this is so fascinating to me that I I think I might go ahead and write something on this because it's a big story. It's, it's a very big departure from, from what we've seen in the past. Yeah. To not have a guy taken in the second rounds bananas. Like it's just, just weird. Even if you don't like the quarterback class, people are usually willing to gamble on second round picks on quarterbacks that they think have yeah, some you upside. always have the Kaisers, right? You always have yeah. the Kaisers of the world that yeah. get taken in the second and the league just said no more, no yeah, mas, no more, you know, no mas. Yeah, man, it's strange. I want to hit on some teams I think did pretty well so far. I think the Lions have done well. Aiden Hutchison, Jamison Williams, Josh Pascal, and Kirby Joseph, all players I really liked. I think they've done well. Um, Indy did pretty well for having second-round picks. I mean, Alec Pierce is a fun player, wide receiver. Browns passed on him. But, I mean, Jelani Woods is an older tight end, but a real freak of nature. Then they got and, – and Bernhard Ra- Ra- Raymond is older, the offensive tackle out of Central Michigan. He's 25, but he's a player. And if you can get four – five, six years out of him, that can be worth it in the third round. And then they took Nick Cross. I think Kansas City has done really well. Oh, yes, I didn't that would love, be the one I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, I didn't love Trent McDuffie so much, but I think that he's a fine player for the range. Karloftis, they end up getting Sky Moore in the second round. Cleveland passed yeah. on him too. Brian Cook, the safety, versatile safety out of Cincinnati I've talked about for months. And then Leo Chanel, who's a really good inside linebacker to pair next to Nick Bolton. Kansas City's done pretty dang well. I was looking at other teams to try to see if there's any other ones that like uh um the oh I forgot that I forgot that the Rams made their first pick. They took an offensive guard, Logan Bruss from Wisconsin. <laughs> it looks like the Raiders finally got involved. They took an offensive guard there, Dylan Parham, that I like a lot. Um Minnesota's been interesting, a little up and down. Andrew Booth was a great second round pick. Ed Ingram's a nice interior player. And then Asamoa, who I had no clue, Brian. Osimo was a Columbus DeSales guy. I did not know that at all. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. you know, growing up close to Ohio State, didn't go there. Um, other teams, anyone else come to mind? I guess the Eagles have done pretty well if you consider getting Jordan Davis, Cameron Jurgens, who's a really nice center um, center prospect out of Nebraska, and the Kobe Dean, and adding A.J. Brown. I'd say that's a pretty good 
pretty good outcome for them. Logan yeah, Hall gets it, taken first in the uh, second round, which we all like Logan Hall. A good yeah, back I to, back to Philly. What do you be, think about Philly? Uh, well, yeah, so I think they overpaid a bit moving up. Um, they, I'm a little surprised that Philly didn't jump on Malik Willis, you know? Um, yeah. I thought yeah. that would have been like a pretty solid move for them, again, of value. Um, I thought they did pretty decent. Um, I think I'm most interested in who among playoff teams in the AFC because it's such a such a meat grinder there. Um, and I'll tell you, like, I, I don't think any team would be wise in the AFC to like go all in Ram style just because yeah. there's so many good teams. Like, you yeah. need to play the long game in the AFC right now. If you're not, you're doing it wrong. Um, and I think that the West it's going to be hot, was, hot team hot at the right time, I think in the right. AFC. And I think you're saying the same thing. And I think the West was really tight. And, uh, I, you know, I don't generally think that the chiefs draft. Well, I don't think they've even managed the roster all that well, uh, since Patrick Mahomes, um, this, uh, this draft is much better than everybody else in the West, much better. Yeah, um, and this is the best. Uh, draft that I've seen and again you know anything can happen afterwards you know like two years from now you know we're gonna have different opinions but like on draft day uh, this is the best draft that I have maybe seen ever out of uh, you know Casey under um, under Reed uh, you know I mean you get to look at Patrick Mahomes you've got to exclude the Mahomes draft Correct. just because of so, that wild value right. but yeah I mean, you're right but boy like and and I'm the same as you too like I think that they got very poor value to move up and Trent McDuffie wouldn't have even been the guy that I picked. Um, so I was not high on that pick. He's a solid player. But other than that, I mean, they are smoking this. And uh, if you look around the West, uh, it, they, you know, these kinds of drafts, if these guys work out, uh, are the kind of things that are going to make the difference in that kind of a tight race. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I think actually the Broncos did fairly well for not having a first round pick. Getting Nick Benito, who I like as an outside linebacker type in that oh, defense, could be fine. And then getting Greg Dolchich too to replace Noah Fant, I think is a nice pick. So I don't know. I don't have many other takes. It's still early. Teams like the Raiders, so many teams have taken so few players. You and I'll get together again tomorrow to go over some of those full, you know, the full drafts and see what we think of it. Let's look at the best available as we close. So names that matter still on the board. I mean, Sam Howell's the best quarterback sitting on the board. I don't think it's particularly close. He's an interesting player. Um, let's kind of go through position by position, and if you have anything to add or shut me up, feel free. Sam Howell, Carson Strong are the two clear quarterbacks left that matter. Bailey Zappi kind of sitting there floating around. You know, Skylar Thompson is a, is a big name for Matt Waldman. Really likes Skylar Thompson. Maybe he gets drafted, but I mean, four guys there, maybe. I don't know. Can't see many more getting drafted. Um, and we also had, John, we also had multiple teams trade up for running backs. Still amazing. Teams are doing that. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, you know, let's talk Seattle for a second. Jeez. Oh how, how terrible would it be to, uh, to be a Seattle fan right now? I mean, I just, you know, I'm, you know, it's easy to go and, you know, BOB for, uh, for the Texans did a number on the Texans, uh, a historic number on that roster. Uh, when he was allowed to run roughshod mm -hmm. over his GM and uh, the, or not even the GM, like a executive, they didn't have the GM at that time. Uh, but uh, Pete Carroll, oh my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? 
How could they even even the commanders? Justify? Yeah, Ugh. yeah, you're 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 spot on. And even the commanders, like there were two other running back trades. I'm like, really? The Jets moved up. I like Brees Hall, fine. I think he's a nice player, but like giving up real assets to move up when there's some other fine running backs that you could have taken. Even the commanders moving up to take Brian Robinson. I'm like, why would you ever give up assets to running back? Especially like the Jets had just drafted Michael Carter the year before. It's wild. I mean, Isaiah Spiller is still there. Zamir White is still there. Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong, you know, those guys are there. Let's talk wide receiver. Go ahead. You got some, Dad? Oh, no. Uh, no, I just was going to bag more on Pete Carroll. Let's just move on. <laughs> I don't think there's ever enough Pete Carroll slander. Um, I mean, there's Pete. still some wide, sneaky Pete. There's other wide receivers, I think, that still matter. I mean, Calvin Austin, very shifty slot player, gadget player. Khalil Shakir can play he, he would Love be a him. fine pick our boy Kyle yeah. Phillips still there would be interested in him Bo Melton is a very under wide receiver underrated wide receiver from Rutgers Justin Ross Romeo Dubs Eric Ezekama from Texas Tech who's been around drafts um yeah there's a lot there's a lot of names still out there man that could could ultimately make a difference so you know could you get a Slade Bolden from Alabama as a slot guy undrafted free agent we'll see tight ends who still matter my boy Daniel Bellinger is still there. Isaiah Likely, Charlie Kohler, Kate Otten, Chigo Okonkwo from Maryland, who we've talked about many times, still sitting there. Cole Turner. So a lot of names, man. I'm just on offense right now. Rashid Walker, the tackle, is still there. Daniel Falali, the gigantic tackle from Minnesota. Max Mitchell, Thayer Munford, all still available at those positions. Guard. Darian Kennard, who I think is a fun player from Kentucky. Zach Tom from Wake Forest. I like his game a lot. Those guys still available. Center, Donovan West. Wrote up Donovan West in our 20 Prospects in 20 Days episodes. Had him on. He's still available. D-End. Um, Kingsley and Agbury still available. Tyreek Smith, the Cleveland kid, still available. Really not a ton of edge guys left. I would not be surprised to see the Browns take one of those guys early. The guy who, to me... In the first few picks, is Perion Winfrey? He's the guy I would like to see them. Come I was going to say, hey, hey, let's do this. Like, you know, uh, on the closeout, like, assume that every player that you're interested in, because we have like what the third pick in the fourth round, something mm-hmm. like that. Let's just assume everybody is available. Um, who's your guy? Yeah, it's Winfrey for me. Pick. I mean, the Browns go after, so you would go. Tampa has already selected an interior player in Logan Hall. They could double up, but you, you never know. I mean, I don't know what Houston has as far as team needs, but they're in front. So teams couldn't move with those two. But to me, unless the Browns just don't like the person that Perrion Winfrey is, because he's, you know, he's a his motor runs hot. And I think his motor runs hot both literally and uh <laughs> like in the fo- on a football field and in life, if that's not their type of guy, I could see them passing. But he's the guy for me. I mean, because at D tack, I mean, like John Ridgeway's kind of fine. Matt Butler from Tennessee, um, Otito Obania from UCLA. I mean, there's not a ton. Thomas Booker does fit some of the things they like in a player from Stanford. He's the tenth ranked D tackle left. But as far as right at the top, I'll real quick finish these and I'll let you answer that question too. Linebacker Brandon Smith, Darian Beavers are fun uh, players. Uh, Smith from Penn State, Beavers from Cincinnati. Damon Clark got a head and nasty injury, but is a is a really nice prospect from LSU. Demarco Jackson from App State, Mike Rose from Iowa State at linebacker. If they want to go there, outside linebacker. 
nobody really to even reference. I think that's going to matter. Corner, Tariq Woolen, who tested really well from UTSA. Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State, who I've liked a good bit. Tariq Castro-Fields, Kalen Barnes, who ran a 4-240. Those guys are there. Safety, Vernon McKinley, I like a good amount. He'd be up there for me, John. Dane Belton from Iowa would be up there. Tyson Anderson's a little old, but he's a fun player. Safety gets pretty thin pretty quick. And we have not seen a specialist go. So Matt Areza is still there. Jordan Stout from Penn State. And then Cade York is also there. And I think the Browns could take Cade York at 124. I really do if they if he's still there. Or Areza. They might like one of those two. So specialists are there. But for me, I heavily lean Perry on Winfrey. And overall, Winfrey's the second highest player on the ESPN board behind Sam Howe, followed up by Calvin Austin, Tariq Wool in the corner, Falale the tackle, McCollum the corner. That's kind of your run of the top. 11 is Daniel Bellinger. Khalil Shakir is right behind at 13. So, Anagbury is 17. That's kind of the list. Who's your guy? Yeah, I think it, it probably needs to be Perry and Winfrey. I think that there's a pretty big drop-off once you get past him. Um Play-wise. I've taken Winfrey as high as 78, John. Like, that's, a, I mean, at one, what is it, 108? That's a pretty good pick, man. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, so I think that's the guy. I I, I will say one more time, uh, I, I, as I've gotten older, I've learned to not, you know, lock on to certain guys so much because there's always, like, a nice little group that you can find, and then you're not so disappointed when they don't grab your specific guy. But I will say that as this process has gone on, I've really, really uh, kind of fell in love with what Kyle Phillips brings. And you get the bonus of the punt return, the, you know, some special teams there. I really want this guy to be a Brown. I think that he brings something that we don't have. Uh, so I, out of those first two picks, I think they're 10 apart. If we could, if we could manage to, you know, grab the tackle that we need, Kyle Phillips, and then, uh, and then, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Perion Winfrey and mm-hmm. Kyle Phillips, uh, that would make me extremely happy, uh, you know, at those two first, uh, at the top of the first uh, fourth round here. Yeah, so let's look again at the fourth round. So we have Texans and uh, Buccaneers out in front of Cleveland. They go 108, you get 118, you get 124. Then you get a long break. You go all the way out to round six where you get to pick 202. I would not be surprised – if they moved one of those picks, maybe 108. I'd like to see them pick at 108, but they could move like 118 or 124 to get a couple picks in like 150 and then 180 ranges. I would not be surprised to see one of those moved. Would you agree? Um, I I would agree, but uh, so I would agree that I could see them moving one of those, but if... For next year? um, Correct. We don't have a third round pick next year. So if they were able to move one of those for a third round pick next year, bump that up. I think that they would go ahead and do that. We got five picks next year. I, I expect them to move some picks. I don't know where that's going to be, but it seems like the fourth would, would be the place to do it, um, to, to move one of those to next year. I agree that that could definitely be in play. I would hope they could maybe find a way to get a pick to break up that monotony, but getting, I think they need to pick at one Oh eight. And then I'm open to moving any of the other two there before two Oh two. To, uh, to, 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 like you said, either punt into those, getting a couple picks in the middle rounds there, or I would even be fine with moving 124 to like 180 and picking up 
a third next year or a fourth next year. You know what I'm saying? How many guys? How many guys could make the roster this year? I don't know when the last time you looked at where we stood. How many? How many rookies could make a roster this year? I thought know? it was eight. Eight was the sweet spot, but they still have okay. so many things that were kind of like generally anticipating, which is that they're still going to go get a vet D tackle. Clowney yes. is back and they may end up going and getting another receiver. So like there's still some anticipatory things happening in free agency. So we'll see. I mean, because if they don't get a tight end in this draft, they're going into this year next year with a tight end hole, the third tight end. It's a lot of moving parts here. So it's really hard to project. I mean, I could see them making every single pick and still getting those guys on the roster. That's kind of where it's at right now. They did not, in my opinion, they didn't go into this draft with the roster as set as it was last year. Oh, so hundred percent. And actually harder. just, and they general, can still be better, but they just, it's less set. I think in general, the, uh, the free agency went a little bit weird for me. And I feel like where you see the, um, first, first run, second run, third runner, you know, you could, you could say tier instead, whichever one, I feel like we skipped a tier before, before the draft and uh, there's a lot more people available after the draft a, a big run i think on free agents after this draft uh, more so than normal years but that's that's my take on it still holding out hope that there's a baker trade out there somewhere for baker to get a start somewhere i'll tell you what and for cleveland on, on baker you know well like if, if if people are really like lowballing the browns and they don't believe um if we're going to the nfc i'm more than willing to ship that out to 2023 on a um uh a, um what do you call it uh jesus it's wrong with me it's, it's too late uh but a um a pick that uh with <laughs> with levelers so that he can get up yeah i mean like the, the a state a, of the state pick of that could turn into something else right like correct a, why can i not yeah. think of the word what is the that, word something uh, wrong uh, with me this is where the, we're giving you insight in the pot. I'm not editing any of this out. We're, we're calling that a provisional pick. Is it provisional? Yeah. A second Jesus. to be a third or something? Or a third to be a second or something? I don't know. It's oh, this is so it's, embarrassing. It's one right. AM East Coast. So <laughs> but moving yes. on. Uh, but yes, I could see like something. You want to you give a third that has the potential to go. I'll, I'll lay out a whole bunch of different uh, terms to get all the way up to it first. You know, the way that the, the state of the uh, quarterback is in the NFC, Baker could sneak into the Pro Bowl as a 13 Pro Bowler. <laughs> yes, yeah. God. Yeah. You know, really I, I do think he's going to bounce back and have a, a, a very decent year for whoever grabs him. So if they want a low ball, I'm perfectly good with uh, shipping that off uh, for, you know, a movable pick that, that might turn into something much better or along the lines of what we expect that he's worth. And the Browns are trying to get off money, too. I mean, they're really – at this point for the Browns, it's the cap hold. It's the $19 million that is being held hostage in this situation. That's killing them. It's killing a lot of moves that they want to make. So I think that there's a little bit of a hold on a clowny because they could be saying, hey, we want to see if we can free up some money before we make that deal with the Baker situation. Tomorrow could still strike a deal. Who knows what will happen? There's a lot of discussions overnight. We'll figure that out. It's a hot topic on all of the popular NFL channels. But we'll see. There's still an entire – half i mean i know we're two-thirds of the way through tv coverage but there's a half of a draft left it's going to be huge what the browns do both for this year and 2023 with the remaining picks that they have there'll be a ton to pay attention to i'll be covering it as best i can here from vegas at 9 a.m my time out here on the west coast and john and i will check in and get to record much earlier tomorrow which will be nice we'll be able to uh 
Indeed. give you guys all the insights and hopefully have that podcast up by the evening so that you don't have to wait for it. So John, thanks for joining, man. Always appreciate your insights, brother. And we'll try to hit this triple three straight shows tomorrow. Sound good? Sounds great, man. Uh, love the NFL draft. So my, one of my favorite events of the year. I'm going to keep taking advantage of John's insights. So check in with John and I tomorrow. Appreciate you guys to, for checking out this show, checking out all the shows, checking out the, uh, the uh, live coverage we have on Twitch for the OBR. I wasn't on there as much as I wanted to be, but there's a lot of write-up for picks and stuff that I had to help with. So that gets a little challenging when you have a computer out here on the West Coast using hotel internet. It's getting jammed up with uh, only so much RAM this thing can run at one time. So I'll try to check in a little more on the live stream tomorrow. Thanks for checking that out, guys. Tons of good stuff going up at the OBR tomorrow. And a reminder, we have the 60% off draft special going on right now. Check that out for long-term membership with the OBR, which gets you a ton of great benefits. Thanks to you guys for supporting the Twitch channel, website, and this podcast. Love your support. Uh, I really, really driven by how much you guys love the Browns and, and checking out the numbers on these podcasts always makes it well worth our time. So thanks to John again. Thanks to you guys for listening. We'll check in with you tomorrow after the third day of the NFL draft where the Browns have several picks to make. There'll be plenty to talk about. Have a great day and go Browns. Go Browns.